Well, I know it's usually Bob's shtick to, uh, to bring something to show, but I brought something today. I, I pulled this out. This is my second tackle box. I had, I had a little orange one before this. My parents gave this to me on my eighth birthday. I'm like, wow, I've had this thing for 40 years. And um, I, was, I was reading this, this or the, uh, the reading from James, and it got me thinking about, about fishing. And, uh, and in here, when my, when my mom and dad gave it to me, I, I was given some fishing tackle. I've added to it since. Um, got all kinds of fun stuff in here. I'm pretty sure that when they gave it to me, I had some hooks and some bobbers and uh, some little spoons type of things. Um, but uh, uh, I've got some fun stuff in here. Um, I've got Rapala's. Okay. And uh, um, I've got some flatfish. Got some that are tangled together, because that's what happens when you have treble hooks. Um, I've got these things. Oh boy, got stuff falling all over. Um, I think these are for bass. I've never caught one with it. I'm going to show you my favorite lure that's in here, though. If I can get it apart, these, uh, these froggy-looking things were really popular at one point. I, you know, I never had a lot of luck with them either, but, uh, but this thing, oh, I love this thing. This is a crawfish, and I know, I know that walleye love crawfish. And, uh, and, and it's so shiny, and it's so perfect, and uh, I think it looks really, really cool. And I've never caught anything with it either. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it strikes me. I'm looking at, 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 at these lures in here, and none of them, well, this one looks fairly convincing, but, but some of the Rapalas look a little bit, but I, I've always kind of wondered, what is it about these things that, that the fish are like, yeah, I want to bite that. And uh, I came to the conclusion, you know, that we put these things out there, and these fish, they're, they're tempted. They're, they're enticed by their desire for food, or maybe by their desire of aggression, um, and that desire leads them to bite, which then allows me to reel them in to their death. I tend to not be a catch-and-release guy. I tend to be a catch-and-clean-and-eat guy. And I just figure, you know, fish are dumb. Right? I mean, they got little teeny tiny brains. It's because they're dumb. Something like that would never work on you or me. Right? Because we're so much smarter. We would never be, in, never be tempted, enticed by desire. You know, desire conceiving and giving birth to sin. And then sin reeling us in to death. Except that is exactly what happens with us, isn't it? You know, the devil, the world, and even our own sinful nature conspire against us. And, and we take the bait more often than we, we care to admit. And I'm not just talking about those temptations that, that we regularly focus on. They're so kind of obvious, right? You know, they even enumerated them in the, the Middle Ages, the seven deadly sins. Uh, things like uh, pride and greed and wrath and envy and, and lust and gluttony and sloth. I'm thinking of things like putting our, 
our, our hope and trust in something other than God. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about things like softening or denying God's word when it is offensive to people who don't like what it says because it kind of pokes at their sin or ours, right? Well, I don't like that verse, so I'm just going to kind of set that one to the side. I'm thinking about the times that we represent God wrongly. And this can happen with our words, but it can also happen with our actions. You know, sometimes we present God as this really permissive God who really doesn't care what we do. You know, just as long as you're nice to each other. Because it's all about love at the end, right? 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 Well... No, it's not right. And the other side of that is that sometimes Christians, you know, come off really harsh, like judgmental jerks. And that's not who God is either. Those are temptations that we fall into. The the temptation to a selfishness that, that leads us to overlook the needs of our neighbor, to a love that is cool to cold turned inward. You know, sometimes, sometimes we're not even aware of these temptations. You know, we, we, we'd like to think, we'd like to think that, that we're smart enough all on our own, that we have the strength and the moral fortitude to, to withstand any kind of temptation that would come our way. But we're not as strong as we think we are. We need a strong Savior to stand with us, to face those temptations on our behalf, and in the process to open our eyes to the dangers. And so we read in our gospel lesson today that that Jesus comes in Mark chapter 1. And it starts out, he's baptized and he goes down into the water. And as he's coming up out of the water, the heavens are, are ripped open. And the Spirit descends on him, marking him as God's chosen Savior. And the voice speaks from heaven, you, you are my beloved son and you, I am well pleased. And did you notice what happens next? It says that the Spirit drove him out into the desert. Uh, literally, uh, it casts him out into the desert. Now, what's, what's the big deal about the desert? Well, in, in uh, Jewish piety, the desert is where the demons live. Jesus, who casts out demons, was cast out into the place where the demons live. And not just, not just you know, petty ones, but the big one. Satan, the accuser, the one who looks at God's people and tries to pick and to pick and to tempt and to trick so that he can accuse you over and over and over again. And Jesus is sent out there for 40 days to be tempted. And he overcomes him. Devil has home court advantage and Jesus defeats him for you. He faces that temptation for you. And then right after that, 
He comes into Galilee and he starts preaching and teaching. Hey, the time is fulfilled. Victory has come. Salvation is here for you. I've got good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God where God works to bring life and forgiveness and salvation to people is at hand. And he says, repent and believe the good news. Because this good news of God's salvation, it opens our eyes. It opens our eyes to see God's love and God's forgiveness, but it also opens our eyes to see the truth of what's going on in the world. To begin to recognize the temptations that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature place in front of us. Now, I said we begin to recognize. Did I, did I say that we would therefore always just skip right by them and never fall into temptation again? No. In fact, I think that our personal experience would tell us quite the opposite, right? And isn't that what this is all about? that we come here week after week because good news has entered into this world. Because the kingdom of God has come and we live in a, a, a kingdom that is ordered very differently than the kingdom of God. And we deal with the brokenness of the world and we are often broken in the brokenness of the world. And we fall into sin. Sometimes we choose to fall into sin. And when we see that, because Jesus has stood up against the tempter in order to open our eyes and to overcome him for us, we know we need redemption. We know, we see that we need the gifts that God gives. The gift he gave you when you were baptized and your sins were washed away. You still live in that forgiveness. He's still at work in you through that water that he placed on you, whether it was as an adult or as a little teeny tiny baby. As he continues to open your eyes through the word, as he speaks his law to you, which even further reveals that sin, and then he speaks that gospel, that good news that the kingdom of God is here, that Jesus has come to bear our sin, to stand in the temptation for us and to take it all the way to the cross so that in his death and resurrection, we might have forgiveness and new life. We come and we have the supper, Christ's body and blood, and it helps us to see as it delivers forgiveness and salvation to us to see God's mercy and grace, which is so contradictory to the world. That opens our eyes to the new life that God has given to us. That there is a new order at work in this world. That God's kingdom is working against the kingdom of the devil, against the temptations of this world, against the frailty of our flesh, that we might experience his love and forgiveness. 
he comes to us. He knows. He knows that in and of ourselves, we would take the bait pretty much every time. So he says, no, I'm going to take the bait and I'm going to swallow it whole. And I'm going to let it take me to death so that they don't have to die, but they can live in me. And this is, this, this is one of the things that I think that God opens our eyes to. His goodness, his mercy, and his grace. Because one of the temptations that I believe is, is one of the key temptations that the devil works on in us is this belief that God is not good. That he doesn't necessarily love you. And that his will for you is not necessarily good. I mean, go back to Genesis 3 when the serpent tempts Adam, or well, tempts, well, Adam and Eve, they were both there, um, to eat the fruit. You will not die. No. You'll become like God. In other words, Eve. God's just holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be as cool as he is. And seeing that the fruit looks good and that, boy, it would be pretty cool to be like God. She took it and ate it and gave it to her husband who was with her. I always like to mention that he was, Adam was with her. And I think that this is one of the things that, that we're often tempted to think. God's not good. That he doesn't give blessings. He's waiting to punish us. And that's the devil's word in our ears. That's, that's, that's Satan's work. The word Satan literally means accuser. And, and so he looks at what we've done and is constantly, you know, chipping away at us, you know. And those things, they raise questions. They raise doubts in our minds. You know, am I so bad that God would then abandon me? Have I done poorly enough that God would give up on me? Are my sins so serious that the only thing that God sees when he looks at me is his wrath? And Jesus comes opens your eyes and says, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God has come in love, in forgiveness, in salvation. I kind of wonder, you know, this, this account with Abraham and Isaac, it's, it's kind of a, a bothersome reading, isn't it? I remember the first time I, I preached on this, after I had a child. It's a whole different thing before you have children. And then, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and my wife's sitting there holding Ricky and I'm like, huh. Ah. I wonder if the reason that Ab Abraham was, was able and willing to go through this is because he was so certain of God's goodness, that God's plan for him was rooted in his love and in his mercy. I don't know. I don't know. 
It says in Hebrews that uh, Abraham was convinced that if, you know, God could create everything, that he could certainly bring his son back from the dead. But maybe he was so confident in God's goodness that he was able to go forward trusting that no matter what happened in this, that God had good in mind for him and for Isaac. You see, we are always tempted to take control of our lives. And that's, I think that's part of the bait. That we have to protect ourselves. We have to look out for number one. We have to be God. And when Jesus comes, he says, no, 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 you're not God. But God is here for you to bring you good news of forgiveness, salvation. And then he calls us to repent and to believe that good news. Jesus went into the desert to Satan's home turf, not as, a, not as an equal to kind of, you know, duke it out with him. But he goes there as God's beloved son. And he breaks Satan's dominion. He overcomes, overcomes him on his, his home field. And friends, that is good news. The kingdom has come. There is a new order. There's a new logic that tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from from the Father of lights, from your Father in heaven. And those gifts include his Son, his beloved Son, who has brought us salvation who's defeated the accuser, and who has revealed his temptations. He's taken the bait on our behalf. He has died our death. But Jesus rose from death, that you might have life, that you might know you have forgiveness for every time you've taken the bait so that you'll be forgiven and live in his resurrection. That's good news. It's good news. How do you respond to that? Jesus says, repent. Turn to him for forgiveness. And believe the good news that there is forgiveness for you in him. Amen.